0: something that's really important. When you get to uh, Easter Sunday, no one who knows anything about the resurrection and the time of Jesus is saying that this whole thing's is just a G up. It's just a made up fictional thing. It's like really sad that Jesus died. So we're just going to make up that he rose from the dead. Uh, it's actually, if you look in the scriptures, everyone's saying this is a real deal. This actually happened. And you've got to grapple with that. One of the things that you need to grapple with big time uh, is what actually changed the disciples and Jesus' followers from being these scared, fearful people behind locked doors to being people who laid down their lives for Jesus. Something massive had to have happened. And if you're still a bit of a conspiracy theorist and you think this is, you know, there's still a chance there's a bit of a G up, why would you start a rumor like Jesus rising from the dead right in the hometown where they still had his body? You wouldn't do that, right? Well, that's a dumb place to start a rumour or start up a story. I mean, it, 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 there's just so much good evidence that we've got that, uh, that gives us confidence about, uh, about the truthfulness of the actual historical event of the resurrection. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says this, For we did not follow, this is Peter, the disciple, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's what you've got in the Bible, folks. You've got eyewitnesses telling you what actually happened. Now, let me tell you something about the Easter weekend. Um, And Christians are shocked at this, right? And this is actually a large part of the reason. If you've ever seen the the Easter epic that uh, the project has put on for probably five or six years, uh, it's just kind of our attempt at pushing back on it. One of the things about the Easter weekend is that Christians just switch really quickly to Easter Sunday because Friday's kind of the sad, depressing bit. And it's like, let's just get to Sunday because if we want to be happy, right? Um, and, and in some ways, really every Easter, someone should say spoiler alert, right? It's a spoiler alert. Like, let's, let's not just get to Sunday too quickly. Like, let's just for a moment here track back to where they left where the, uh, the uh, characters in this story of, of what was going on, where they were left on Good Friday. You know what they're left with? A dead hero, which is not a very good hero. All right? They're left with a dead hero. Has anyone here, this is, a, this is kind of the shame part, anyone here seen The Princess Bride? Yeah, it used to be a cult movie and now it's really cheesy. I don't know, something changed in it, but uh, it's not, not as funny anymore. But there's this section in the movie where the hero dies, right? And the whole movie kind of um, works around this this idea that there's a grandfather who's reading this story, which is the Princess Bride story to his son, and as the father kind of narrates it, you kind of see the sections of the story happen, it gets about halfway through the story, the hero dies. Does anyone remember what the kid says? The kid kind of interrupts the dad and he kind of breaks out of the scene that the movie's kind of uh, fixed on at that point in time and the kid goes he's the hero he can't be dead all right he, he just can't be dead like he's meant to be the hero of this thing we, we can't do that it can't be true and there's a little bit of that kind of vibe I think in uh, in, in the gospels I think uh, with the uh, the people who were around Jesus the disciples Mary Magdalene it's like this it's Man, they've just fallen into a ditch, haven't they? He's gone. It was night, Friday night. It was night, Saturday night. And he's in a tomb. No one understood what he said. It's over. Now, you've got to pause for a moment and just think about the ramifications of this. He said a whole bunch of good things. He healed a whole bunch of people. He's dead. What now? I mean, you would have been there, right? Probably if you were one of them, you'd be there going, oh, well, that just came to nothing. It looked like it was something, but now it looks like nothing because he's dead. I mean, one of the, one of the um, kind of equivalents... Um, when I was thinking about it is uh, in our day and age where you see a pastor or a minister of a church fall from grace, you know, morally fall from grace. And what do you go? You just, at that point in time, you just go, yeah, well, now I don't pay attention to anything that they said. Everything that they said is just written off now because of what they've actually done. And you imagine being uh, in the first century there it all looked great. Now he's dead, he's in a tomb. Do we even pay any attention to anything he did? He said or he did. Do we? He's he's a failure. Like, he blew it. (laughs) He's a fraud. He's dead. And what I want to do today is I want to look at John chapter 20. So if you've got Bibles there, if you need to nick up the back and grab one, there's plenty up the back there. Uh, John chapter 20. We're going to read the whole chapter because what we actually see there is we see the effects of jesus's life on people personally it all looked gone it all looked over but in john chapter 20 we actually see the effects of jesus's life and coming back to life and what it does to people and as you're getting ready for that quick side note i wonder if you've uh Ever noticed something about Jesus? Have you noticed that Jesus is a slippery character? And I don't mean in an evil way. He's just kind of a slippery character. He always has a way of breaking outside of the boundaries and breaking out of the box that we kind of put him in. I mean, you kind of see it in the Gospels, right? The minute that someone looks like they've got him worked out, bam, he breaks out of the box. And all of a sudden, you're just going, I don't even know who you are. He kind of sidesteps you. You probably know this in your own life, right? You can kind of nail him down. You can kind of work him out. You just go, yeah, I think I've got him worked out. And then, bam, he'll do something or he'll let something happen to you. And you just go, what is going on? You see it all the way through the book of Mark. I mean, you see it in the life of Peter, right? Peter just so many times when he's hanging out with Jesus, he thinks he's got him worked out. And then Jesus kind of switches on him. You know, think about Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. What does he do? He cuts off the high priest's servant's ear and just goes, yeah, this is a good plan. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And Jesus goes, no, nah, we're not doing that. We are not doing that. You get into the denials. I, I was talking to a mate of mine from Sydney, and uh, he just made the point that one of the people in his church preached and uh, The guy who preached actually suggested that when Peter says in the, when he's denying Jesus, he says, I don't know the man. He's not just denying association with him. He's actually, this person suggested he's actually confused about who Jesus is. (laughs) Because the one that he thought he was just kept, it was just hard. It was hard to pin him down. It was hard to lock him, lock him down. And what we actually see in John chapter 20 today is Jesus is still messing with people. So if you think you got Jesus and you got religion worked out, you don't. All right, you just need to know that Jesus is a much more diverse uh, character than the one that you've got in your head. And the end result of Jesus busting out of the box in John chapter 20 is amazing. It's really, really helpful. So let's read John chapter 20 and see this, this character emerge in the midst of a very dark time. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Now, you just need to know out of interest, uh, Emperor Claudius... uh, robbing graves is such a common thing that emperor claudius around 41 to 54 ad actually made a law that if you robbed a grave you'd be executed all right so this is a significant problem in the day so this is this is the kind of thing uh that you could be thinking about as as mary reports this verse 3 so peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I'll let you draw your own conclusions about why one got outrun by the other. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. See, she's just, she's totally just thinking, I need to find a body. Having said this, verse 14, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now, that's a good question, right? Because the Jesus that she's seeking is a different one to the one that's standing in front of her, right? She's looking for the dead body Jesus. Supposing him to be the gardener, (laughs) she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, uh, Rabboni. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father, and your Father, to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, so you've seen that already, right? Mary kind of gets messed with by Jesus a little bit, all right? He's different to what she thinks. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, "'Peace be with you.' When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord." Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, which is all of you who love Jesus. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. All right. We're going to go through three characters here. Here's the first one, Mary Magdalene. What's Mary's condition? This is where you need to be aware of the spoiler thing, right? What's going on for Mary? Well, it's all bad. It is all bad for Mary. You know, she, she didn't get the predictions of Jesus uh, and we ought to not be so quick to say we'd do better or to think that we would do better, Right? I mean, you're talking about disciples and people that hung out with Jesus in person over over a number of years. You know, let's not be too quick to judge them. But here's the bottom line: they didn't, they didn't get it. He spelled it out really clearly, but they didn't get it. And where's she at right now? She's right in the middle of. He's gone. He's dead. Now, who is Mary Magdalene? She was a follower. She was an early follower. She was at the cross. She watched the crucifixion. She was at the tomb. I mean, we know from other scriptures that she followed Jesus and provided. She was one of the women that provided stuff for Jesus. She she loved it. She loved him. So what's going on here? Do you know what's going on here? Grief. That's what's going on. What's she doing? Verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Can you see it? She's she's busted. She's totally busted and sad. She has lost something really special. What happens next? (laughs) Well, Jesus shows up. And what does it do to Mary's grief? It totally changes everything, doesn't it? You know now what, what does Mary actually do as a result of Jesus showing up right in the middle of her grief? She becomes the first evangelist. You know what an evangelist is? Someone who tells good news. That's what an evangelist is. She becomes the first teller of good news. She goes and tells the disciples of seeing the Lord. Who's grieving today? There's there's absolutely no way that there's a group of uh, people this big in church where there isn't going to be people who are grieving stuff. Who's sad. There's way more grief and loss that goes on in our world than uh, I used to think and maybe even more than you think. We just don't talk about it very much. And you just need to know that Jesus is the kind of person that gets amongst grief and loss and sadness and he changes it. True? He does. He is. I mean, seriously, you you could not say of Jesus that he doesn't get amongst grief and loss when he's hanging on the cross and his father's forsaking him because he's carrying all of the junk that we've done wrong. Jesus gets amongst it. You know it from his life, from his death, And even in his resurrection, he's walking right into a situation where someone's crying and grieving. And he turns Mary's grief into mission. That's what he does, right? It changes it. And I would ask this question. I I mean, man, this could be a whole sermon series. And those people from the project just go, yes, it could, with Peter. It could be a whole sermon series. But how could God actually show up in your grief? Probably not in person, right? um, Do you you know why? Because he actually said, if I go away, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. who's going to be better than having me in person. So God could actually show up because if you love Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And I don't know how many grieving people I've spoken to that speak about the comfort that God brought them at key times. That can happen, right? What about other people? God sends other people, doesn't he? To comfort people who are grieving? And in a sense, Jesus gets right in the middle of grief and loss because other people get sent by him to minister to people. You know, Jesus, his intention is to show up and to be right in the middle of every weakness and inability to go on that you experience. Amen? He just does. And we see it right here. And it doesn't mean that you're supposed to be happy all of a sudden. But it does mean that your grief is going to be different. This is 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. No one's saying that grief and loss is not going to hurt anymore because Jesus is around, but the Bible says and the testimony of millions of Christians would tell you that it makes it different when Jesus is involved. Amen? Has anyone testified to that at the moment? It's just like it does. It does make it different. It still hurts. It still stings. They're still crying. But Jesus' personal presence makes it different. The disciples. What have we got here with the disciples in verse 19? On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Here's uh, audience participation time. What on earth have these guys got to be afraid of? Anyone got an idea? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> said death, that's all. Just being executed too because their head guy just got taken out like two days ago. Like seriously, like lock the doors guys because this could be over for us really soon. They've just taken out the leader. How hard is it going to be to just mop up these stragglers? The doors locked. <laughs> the disciples are filled with fear. What happens? Well, Jesus shows up. Surprise, surprise. This seems to be what John's really concerned about. He's, John's actually, in case you're wondering, he's not as concerned about mapping out a chronological, every single detail of the resurrection. What he's actually wanting to show you is where people are at and, and where they end up at when Jesus gets involved personally in this situation uh, as a resurrected saviour. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were what? Glad. Did you get that? Everyone say glad. 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 Smile when you say glad. glad. All right. You're doing well. What have we got here? We've got fear to gladness. Now, here's a catch Was the threat gone? It wasn't, right? And pretty much all of the disciples are now going to get executed at some point in time. The threat actually didn't change, but Jesus' personal presence made the threat different. True? It made them glad in the midst of it. You know, Jesus' presence changes everything. You know, there's, there's many of us that have struggled with doubt Because God hasn't done that thing for you. He's supposed to do this thing or that thing or you're in this pain over here and he's meant to get rid of that. There's all these actions that God is meant to do and maybe he just hasn't come through for you. He hasn't done it. But for those who fear out there, God is actually way more interested in the personal presence of Jesus being with you in the middle of stuff than getting you out of stuff. Now, that's probably really disappointing, Alright? You become a Christian and this is, you know, if you don't love Jesus today, you should, you should give your life to Jesus, right? Because it's the best. But it's not always the easiest. The best doesn't always equal the easiest. You know what? You can be happy in the middle of a threat if you have Jesus with you. Is that true? And it can actually stay. And you can pray 5,000 times, God, would you just get rid of this thing? And he doesn't get rid of it. And then you're going, oh, what kind of saviour are you? And we don't say it out loud because you're not supposed to say stuff like that. You're just going to go, what kind of saviour are you? You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you kind of got the same problem as most people in John 20, that Jesus is kind of this different character to what they think he is. All right. He's off doing this thing. You think he's supposed to be one particular thing. And it just kind of messes with your head. Bottom line, I just want to put it out there for you. Jesus wants to bring his personal presence into every single thing that you fear. And I'll tell you now, he will rescue you from a lot of fears. He'll get you out of stuff. But more than he rescues you, he's going to get you through stuff. His personal presence is going to be with you and he'll get you through it. And you see that, I think, in the disciples' lives. Number three, Thomas. Read this with me, John 20, 24 to 25. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I'll never believe. Now, there's an amazing uh amazing is probably overstating it, but John uh, Tim Keller actually has got a, a great explanation of one of the things that he thinks is going on here. And, and one of the things that he suggests is actually going on here is if, if uh, Thomas is going to be a bona fide, real deal uh, disciple and apostle, one of, the, um, one of the things that needs to be true is they need to have actually seen the resurrected Jesus. So he actually thinks that's actually what's going on in here as well. But the classical interpretation of it is that uh, Thomas is a doubter, right? And uh, has anyone here ever read any Os Guinness? He is related to the uh, beer-making mob, but um, maybe some of you are going, I'm going to go and read his stuff. Uh, You don't get free beers with his books. But uh, Os Guinness uh, wrote a book called uh, God in the Dark, and and it's all about doubt. And he actually, uh, one of his chapters in there is uh, people can have doubt because they have a faulty view of who God is. And this is where you believe God to be different to what he actually is. You know, like you have this idea about who God is and then all of a sudden some life crisis hits you and God's not getting you out of it and you're just kind of stuck in it and you're just going, hang on, I thought he was this kind of God and what am I doing in here and what does that say about who he actually is? You know, it's like if you follow Jesus and give your life to him, you're meant to have the good life. At that point in time, that's how it's meant to roll, some kind of Christian karma. You know, you, you be a Christian and your life's meant to go better. That's how it's meant to work. And you can see that with the disciples. I mean, one of the prevailing ideas through the Gospels is that the disciples think that Jesus is going to be some military leader and at some point in time, we're going to take up arms, we're going to whack the Romans and we're going to get our land back. And he ends up being this whole different Messiah, this whole different Saviour. I mean, we don't even have time today to think for a moment about the disappointment of the cross if you were a disciple. Imagine that. You left everything and followed him. He served it up to you a bunch of times. He gave you a comeuppance a few times, right? You remember those stories about can we sit at your right hand, that kind of stuff, and he gives him a gobble, and now he's been whacked. He's dead. But he's... The bottom line, like every other situation in uh, John 20, when Jesus shows up, things change. Things are different. You know, what you really need to know in the midst of doubt is Jesus. That's what you really need to know. And you need to know him personally. And I'd love to at some point in time do some talks on doubt because that's something that the church just generally doesn't even talk about. And I don't think there'd be a a Christian in this room that hasn't had doubts at some point in time about God's character, about his existence. They pop in. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? What does Jesus do? He just walks straight into the middle of a situation where a guy's doubting and he says, righto, check it out. (laughs) Check it out. He's not scared of it. He's not... He's not worried about people who are grieving. He just walks straight in there. He's not worried about people who are fearful and they got the door locked. He just walks straight through the door. He's not worried about people who are doubting. He just walks in and when he arrives, everything's different. Everything gets changed. I've uh, found uh, a section in a commentary by uh, D.A. Carson really helpful in preparing today's message. He says this, John depicts the appearances as experiences of liberation much as Christ liberated Lazarus from the grip of death and as his own death is a new Passover. The Passover was liberation of the Israelites from the land of Egypt out of slavery. You know, you can see that, can't you, in John 20. Like people, Mary's stuck in grief. Thomas is stuck in doubt. The disciples are stuck in fear. And what's Jesus doing? Well, he's just doing what he always does. He gets people out of stuff. And it doesn't always mean that they have a different context. He just gets people out of stuff. He rescues people from trouble. Watched a movie on, uh, a part of a movie on telly the other night, and this is one of the opening quotes from it, from Martin Luther King Jr. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. You know, John 1 verse 4 says of Jesus, in him was life, this pulsating, the life of everything existed in this person jesus because he created the world and it was the light of men and you're not going to be able to stop it and that's what we celebrate today